0: Here we go. Here we go. It is another episode of Match Coach Happy Hour. Happy to connect even a day early this week again. This is, this is I think, the second time this has happened in Happy Hour history. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday, September 17th, also known as the day after Matt Gamble's birthday. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I appreciate it. I am, I am one day older and wiser.
0: um so yeah when we're when we're traveling we tend to record these on a thursday the good news is you will definitely see this hopefully you'll be listening to this already um on your favorite podcast app or watching it on youtube on friday this week so good stuff we'll try to get it out as early as we can uh but mac we've got some stuff to talk about
1: today automation automation that seemed to be the big theme of the week this week and it's even more ingrained at this point because we just had two Instagram live sessions crash where I think we were at least broadcasting because people were joining, but did not get a chance to actually post it afterwards. So for anyone who missed that, my apologies, we'll give it a, you know, like every session we'll do the five minute summary teaser before we record. Sometimes Instagram works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. How about that? Can't always trust
0: your systems.
1: Can't um, trust them. Yeah.
0: Sometimes you have to do it twice and and it might not even come off then, but I, I, it was actually, if, if one of them does stay up there, it was a rare appearance on my actual personal Instagram account, which I usually call in from the, uh, from the Nudge Coach Instagram account. Uh, so you can find us at Nudge Coach on Instagram, but yeah. So you might get to get to find at Phil Bean uh, hanging out on a, on a Instagram live there with you. We'll see.
1: Uh, But getting into automation. That's true. You did make that rare appearance.
0: Yeah. Getting into automation. What is the role of automation in these coaching businesses that we're working with? Um, There's a lot to unpack here. Um, So I'm not going to lie. This one may roll over to another episode. We'll have to see.
1: Yeah. Because I guess there's kind of two halves to it. There's the, and I think what prompted this is we've been talking to a lot of people recently about program delivery. And I think there's a lot you can do from an automation standpoint with program delivery. But there's kind of, you know, that touches also to some learnings and, and I think lessons from the marketing side, but also to that we then always want to be careful when we're thinking about this. There's that line we don't want to cross from a standpoint of making an experience feel robotic to clients. And so we always have to kind of take a step back and walk through the entire thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Automation may be the one the one area in a coaching business where you can make the slippery slope argument work, um, where you really have to be careful with flipping on automation in certain areas. Like there's definitely such thing as too much. Um, there are definitely types of communication that should absolutely not be automated. Um, and yeah, every, every automation is an assumption that you're delivering this in the right context in the right way. So you gotta be a little careful here. Um, Well, there's a bunch of different ways we could start looking at this. Um, I think one that would be interesting is sort of within the context of how programs are being delivered right now. Um, So obviously we're working with a lot of coaching businesses to figure out the best way to implement, um, implement their program with nudge, support their program with asynchronous personalized communication uh, as the program's unfolding, as they're working with their clients. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of supporting content uh, that gets developed, obviously, to effectively deliver <laughs> a program within a coaching relationship. Um, and where it starts to get pretty tricky is when you have different clients signing up at different times and keeping everything up to date with where everybody should be. Um, this is where you start to get into, especially when that number of clients you're working with grows, the, the need for potential automation or at least systems to mm-hmm. streamline this stuff. Um, so I know some of the ways we're seeing that now are, you know, online courses being delivered or programs actually being delivered as sort of online courses within LMS systems, uh, but also a lot through email communication.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think what we, what I, what we see a lot, I'd say during implementations and sometimes with new businesses is they don't have much of this really together yet it may is a client you know the first handful of clients sign they walk them through kind of the their overall program maybe they haven't really identified yet what those common themes are or common touch points that can be woven into or put together in ter- terms of some kind of sequence so for instance um, I tend to find that there's a handful of touch points especially in the first couple weeks that may be really consistent from client I think it's a good starting point you know like your your getting started message or your welcome message or the um, if you start having if there's kind of a a um, common page or area for um, ongoing resources or a curriculum overview something like that. These things can usually be woven together into a really light workflow, much like you would do in an email sequence. And I, I do think it's an underrated way of at least starting to standardize things is at least incorporating something like an email sequence as a starting point. Cause I do think once you've gotten to a point, you've done this a few times, you can maybe find some of those common themes that really becomes the skeleton of your program that you're delivering. And then ultimately you can focus much more on the actual providing feedback and having those one-to-one communication um, having the one-on-one communication with the clients to kind of fill in those gaps. But it it really, it may take you a while to kind of figure out what those common themes are into that skeleton.
0: Yeah, and the so from a marketing perspective, I can tell you when I'm thinking about what to automate, what not to automate. Um, the place I tend to start is by asking myself, all right, what is proven out that is essential that people need to know about our system or whatever it is that we're kind of building up towards? Typically with us, it's, educating people on aspects of our platform. So I'll use our platform as an example. What are the essential things that I need to communicate to everybody so that they know what they're getting themselves into here? Um, and I think automation in a program structure should absolutely be thought about the same mm-hmm. way. What is going to be essential to everybody that's going through this experience for them to know so that everything that they're doing, whether I'm asking them personally or, you know, topics are changing throughout the program, that they understand where they're supposed to be, what they're supposed to be doing and why Um, those essential pieces become the pieces that you can automate and get away with it. Um, But there's a lot of stuff that you absolutely shouldn't touch.
1: Yeah. I think what we typically see is the area to be very cautious about is anything that's going to be providing feedback based on client input is a dangerous, dangerous game. And I think I've, I've, I know we've heard horror stories before of people using different systems where maybe one of the triggers misfired. And so a message gets sent to a client where, you know, they're providing basically inappropriate feedback. And just, it's a it's a dangerous game. And I think to your point, that's probably if we, if we incorporate automation in the right way with content delivery, and then we can focus much more kind of our time just providing that one-to-one feedback we, we should be able to remove a lot of the administrative burden that would be associated with sharing of that content mm-hmm. that we should have plenty of time to be focusing on the communication that really matters and that we can actually make a real difference with. And so I think it becomes more of an efficiency game at that point. But as I mentioned, it may take a while to get to that point. I think it's a starting point. If you can just find the, the initial um, touch points or the initial content pieces that you can string together and keep in mind, is I mean even if it's a two or three touch point sequence that's that's still a starting point for you, and I think that's that's not something to be overlooked you don't have to start with something that's incredibly complex or robust, but I think just starting to identify those common themes that can be shared just to help set that foundation for scale
0: and I would even go as far as to say, please don't start with a long elaborate <laughs> sequence yeah. um yeah. you know literally the only case for for that would be if We're having a huge launch and we know we're pumping a ton of volume, a ton of clients through something right out of the gate. And we just have to because Mm -hmm. of limited resources. Um, But, you know, there is a lot to be said for working hands on with a handful of clients, witnessing kind of the way things are received, making adjustments. But even if you're starting with, hey, I want this welcome message right after they sign up, we can automate that. Good. That's one touch point that you don't have to do over and over again. Um, As you get more reps working with clients. Okay. I always start week one with this topic. Let's automate this piece of this topic. But keeping in mind that if it's a topic that could be an emotionally touchy subject for some of the clients that you're going to have coming through, you probably don't want to automate that just because some of that, you know, there may be some loaded language around a subject like dieting, for example, Um, that you want to be careful about, honestly, when you're getting started and and just working with, you know, your first handful of clients. So you really may want to wait until you're really confident in how people are going to receive some of these messages Mm -hmm. before you start systematizing them.
1: You know, Uh, it's interesting that comes up in a lot of implementations now that I think about it with our partners. Um, We talk about the subject of onboarding a client like on onto the system or Mm -hmm. and this is really appropriate for any system if you're onboarding, you know, getting a client started is they you know usually what'll happen is people will ask about hey should i create some kind of video that kind of introduces or walks the person through getting started and it's one of those things that's really interesting and it's it it's an obvious place to start however i always tell people this is actually one of those areas i would say is a bit of a a bit of a friction point because to your point some topics do need to be um you know do need to be addressed with more of a kind of a in a personalized fashion and i think onboarding is actually one that Yes, you can have some supporting material, but it is an area to be cautious because I think framing is so important when you're onboarding. If there's a client you're working with that is maybe more comfortable versus less comfortable technology, you'd probably frame things a little bit different for one versus another. And I think that's one we always want to be careful. We're not doing anything that's going to be portrayed by a client as being like an inappropriate solution for them where they start saying, well, hey, maybe this coaching program isn't for me or this offering just isn't for me when it's like, no, that, that's not really the case here. We just need to make sure we're kind of adjusting the language we're using to the point you just mentioned. So yep. I think there are a few different areas that there will be a better, there's a better time for the automation than, than for others. And I think it's just be very cautious about, you know, each one of those pieces that you're planning to incorporate.
0: Yeah, that's right. Onboard- onboarding is such a good example because there are so many different ways that can go. Um, a great example of something that, could be automated is delivering a very specific support material like you mentioned. So let's say I have a, you know, rules of engagement document or an expectations document of some kind that I want to share just to make sure that they know, you know, when I'm going to respond to messages, stuff like that, that piece specifically could be in an automated communication, but introducing the process of getting started If you think about it this way, early in a relationship, you've only had so much time to build up a a bunch of trust and kind of goodwill with someone to where, you know, you can really expect them to engage deeply in something that you've recorded. That's clearly super stock. Um, Whereas it's flat out rude to like tune someone out at the (laughs) very beginning of a personal conversation like this. And you can kind of leverage those social norms. Like you don't know people all that great when they're just getting started with you. They don't want to come off as an asshole either. So, you know, leverage the fact that they're not going to want to hang up on you halfway through this onboarding conversation. That's in person where you're being taking out the time to clearly walk them through it. Whereas if you sent them a video, I mean, there might be an eye roll at minute two of that video and then they turn it off and then, They didn't get onboarded properly and it takes a hell of a lot to recover from that mistake.
1: Yeah. You just don't know what people, you know, everyone's going through something and you just don't know what, you know, I think even when people sign up, there's always, as you think about like stages of change, some people are still kind of on that on the fence. And that point is just such a delicate one that if you're leaving that for highly scalable content, whether it's written word or whether it's a video, that is just a, a good example. So as we're thinking about kind of a, I guess, an initial flow in kind of automation. I do think there is a way to incorporate some kind of training video if you're using a system, whether it's Nudge or anything else Mm -hmm. that maybe complements or is a refresher. But, you know, we always say onboarding and partnership, and that's something we always touch on during implementation because it is, we just feel like it is so important. But um, yeah, that's just one, I guess, one of the friction points. But I think if we, we really define it, I think there's always from an automation standpoint, usually um, I think some good initial kind of welcome material, welcome messaging, I think is a good point. I tend to find those first two to three weeks, you can really build a framework around as a starting point because I tend to find the first several weeks are the most sensitive. We're having to kind of retrain people in terms of if if you have a new client, this is going to be new for them. If you're engaging them with some kind of system like a nudge, then you know, we may need to provide more touch points in the first few weeks to kind of build a habit. So that's where we can maybe incorporate some automation to help fill those gaps of just getting people used to, you know, and comfortable using a system. But Mm -hmm. I think there's a few areas we would say that are like good starting places and others that maybe we'd be a little bit more cautious with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Right. So in, you know, early in in programs, you know, these automated pieces, you know, email is a perfectly fine platform Mm -hmm. to be delivering those. I wouldn't necessarily overthink this especially if you're just getting started frankly it's complicated enough to figure out how to deliver some email automation well um, because you know you may not have a marketing background if you're a you know a coach or a new small business owner of some kind Uh, you have you're just getting started with a program Um, and you know you need to figure out things like okay what action is happening somewhere that can trigger this workflow to start Mm -hmm. And that's just, you know, it's not the easiest thing to wrap your head around when you're getting started. So, you know, in terms of the, in the grand scheme of what's most important in the early days of getting a program off the ground, again, you know, take your lumps, learn some things through the Mm -hmm. manual process of engaging directly with people and then start worrying about those. Yeah,
1: I I think one thing that's just so important is this is all iterative. I think about the sequences we use in our own business, you know, mainly from a marketing standpoint, or even when a person signs up on the system. I mean, those sequences have been refined for years at this point. I mean, those are things that you're never, I don't think you ever get to kind of the promise land or the finish line. I think it's just something that you're always going to be learning from and updating based on, you know, trends with, you know, whether you think about things like, you know, making it mobile friendly or using language that's more appropriate or you know, yeah. there's just always things going that are gonna prompt you to need to update or refresh content.
0: Yeah, there I mean there is no finish line. That's a great point. So I maybe if there were a rule number one of this, if you are implementing automation, it's automate and iterate. Don't yeah. stop. You know, so you you gotta make sure you have a system in place to create the automation and make sure you're measuring the effectiveness of it so that you can make iterations and see how they're impacting overall performance.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Yeah. I think iteration is probably the one thing as we're going through implementations that I see a lot is I think a lot of, a lot of people think that what they launch with has to be perfect. And I I really think it's more of, Hey, look, everything we've typically done during implementation is typically a bit academic based on, you know, things we've seen before and, and assumptions, but, yeah, once you start working with actual clients, and you start getting that feedback, you start realizing, OK, well, hey, in week two, I start noticing maybe there's some confusion around this part of my program or, hey, I started seeing there's a drop off in engagement in week nine or whatever it may be. And so then you can start filling those those voids that you see or make adjustments to you know, language or content that you're sharing.
0: Yeah, and absolutely, I would, you know, keep a record of what questions you're getting because there will come a time when you're starting to get the same questions over and over again, and those are just key indicators of the types of things that you can be filling in in just terms of educational gaps as things are going along with potentially automated touch points.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. What uh, what other things can you think of in terms of areas that would maybe be... um things that would be easier to incorporate within or areas to explore with automation. So from a marketing standpoint, if we're thinking about kind of the continuum of the, you know, the user journey or client journey, you know, starts on the mark sales marketing side, you know, I think at this point, most people are familiar with that idea of kind of email sequencing after a person's, you know, opted into some kind of lead capture. I mean, do you want to, I know you're, you're the marketing guy. Do you want to (laughs) touch on some of the key kind of key areas of considerations on that side? Yeah, for sure. So I would even argue and,
0: and trust me, this is complicated stuff potentially, but on the marketing side, you know, there's a lot more information out there uh, to where to some extent there's, it's a little bit more kind of plug and play in terms of the kinds of things that you can feel comfortable automating just because there are bajillions of businesses trying to figure this out all the time and putting out content about it. So, you know, take some time to look up what other businesses are doing because that's going to be helpful to you. What I would say is For sure, you know, you have your your lead capture mechanism in place, whatever that may be. Um, Make sure that's in place. Make sure you know what the automated email that comes afterwards that may deliver your ebook or whatever resource that may be that you're giving away for free in order to draw people in, that that is set up appropriately. That's one of the first things you can do because you ought to be you know, thinking deeply about, okay, what do I know that people will be really interested in? It's kind of a hot button around what the outcome that I'm trying to promise people for my program uh, that I can package in a neat way. That's going to be, you know, worth putting in an email address for basically. Um, So you start there, you have that automated response. So you have your email address. Now you can, now you can take advantage of that going forward. Um, The next pieces are delivering kind of the essential pitch of the outcome, the desired outcome that you think you want your kind of ideal client to align with. So like I'm working with people focused on weight loss. I want to find a way to really cleanly articulate kind of the desired outcome, what they want to feel when they're done with this program, what they want to look like maybe, um, all those kinds of things that are really going to align with people's aspirations. That's kind of the first priority is communicate the outcome. And you can absolutely build that into an automated workflow because you should know who your ideal customer is going to be. And then one step beyond that, and these are kind of the the standard pieces that I would build in is getting into an automated communication potentially. That's going to break down in very simple, clear language and even, even, over-summarizing what's gonna happen in your program. Obviously, there's more complicated stuff potentially happening in your program, but really simply, these are the steps I'm gonna take you through to get there. Um, Because one of the biggest holdups for people signing up for programs is there's still some level of uncertainty of whether it's for me and I can do it.
1: Um, That's a good point.
0: Really simple and clear about those, these are the steps I'm going through. You're basically saying, hey, listen, I have a roadmap that you can understand and you can achieve to take you there. It's the, one of the last pieces of, okay, I got it. I can, I can do this with you. This is the guy for me or the gal for me, whatever. This is the program for me. Um, it's that last piece that people want to see before they sign up a lot of the time.
1: So I'll tell you one resource that comes up a lot in my conversations. Cause I think every, a lot of people know automation is something they need to incorporate like email sequencing to start nurturing leads is drip scripts and i'm sure there's other things out there like it but they've got different scenarios in terms of email sequences that they kind of have templates for that you can just adjust and i just think to your point on the marketing side there are so many great resources out there now you really don't need to reinvent the wheel Um, systems for lead capture systems for email marketing systems for you know even the the templated messages you would use so I'd say definitely use those tools that are out there. It's going to save you a ton of time, and if you do it right, I think it actually saves you from having to actually hire people. A hundred percent. Yeah, saves you just incredible amounts of time. So, I think, the, and I think there's some great lessons from the marketing side that do translate well into into the um, in, into kind of program delivery too, because you know some of the commonalities we we typically see. You know, you're using those initial emails to set it you know make the introductions build the relationships set expectations there really are a lot of common threads between the two and it's it's those usually complement any of the conversations you would be having with prospects from on a sales perspective anyway so it's kind of it's amazing the more we think about it how many commonalities i think there are between the two
0: yeah yeah and and just from a kind of backing up a little bit from the marketing side, you know, if you want to think about those key touch points that I mentioned that are really serving a specific purpose, you know, people may come to your website or become aware of you and give you a call or, or something like that, because first they become aware of this problem they have. Second, they become aware of some potential solution that they, can get them to where they want to go. Um, and then you kind of go on down the line three, they become aware of this specific program that could potentially take them there. And then, you know, that's when you want to show them again, like I said, those specific steps that show that they can achieve it. You're basically taking someone along a really fixed journey that is very, this is again, they marketing has been happening online since the beginning of online. And this Mm -hmm. has been thought about so deeply, even by, you know, you know, really, really like multiple PhDs in psychology and stuff, who are thinking about how the trans theoretical model of behavior change applies to online purchasing, purchasing experiences. Mm-hmm. So there I trust Mac when he says there are resources for you to, to leverage and not to try to reinvent the wheel. Um, but again, getting to where you're going, I think Mac, I, I took us on a tangent there. Um, you know, the same sort of pieces apply, though, to, to the program, like you said, in terms of you have the roadmap, right? If, mm-hmm. if you're even thinking about launching a program or you have a program live, you have the kind of key elements of the journey that someone is going to go through. So you can think of them as, you know, uh, checkpoints along the road, right? And sometimes the easiest way to think about it, depending on the structure of your program is like, okay where does the topic sort of change or the focus change in this program to a specific topic? And I know that that's going to happen at week X or whatever that becomes like the most obvious and safest first kind of piece deeper into the program that you can start to automate because there's probably a a pretty standardized way that you can introduce most of those topics. Again, not if it's going to be like a, a hot button or anxiety inducing Topic for uh, for example, or if you can't think of a way to present it without it being potentially a mm-hmm. hang up. Um, but most of the time, if you're introducing sort of a new phase, that's something that's going to be the same every time. So those become the touch points that you can start to automate in the program, whether via email or course content. Yeah,
1: no, that's a that's a really good point. as I mentioned, I think it's just don't try to do too much too quickly. I think in, until you've started working with some clients, gotten some reps you may not even have a good sense of the areas you can be automating. But I, you know, I always think of, uh, some really basic ones that kind of jump out at me as I'm thinking about some of the implementations we've done recently is like once a person signs up, have an automated email with your booking link for them to book the kickoff call with you, um, or to, you know, put in credit card details if they're paying you by credit card. Um, you know, like I said, welcome messaging, or if you have a link for your kind of the curriculum, there, there's things like that, that. Even if it starts with just one touch point, mm-hmm. that's a good building block for then subsequent ones as you've gotten more experience. And you can easily just continue to bolt on. And I think that's, you know, email's a good starting point, learning management systems. All of these tools can can be incorporated, even different ways to provide what can be a very elegant client experience.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Where you want to be careful though. Again, don't be too clever here. I, this should not, don't feel like this is the overall message. Don't be too clever. You don't can not be too clever.
1: Be t- Common theme.
0: <laughs> you can absolutely have clever elements in your program. But what I'm just saying is in these communications, the automated pieces, even if you're trying to like come off really positive throughout, just trust me, tread lightly with stuff like, Hey, you're doing great. Here's the topic change. Like even that may be a little bit dangerous. Cause just imagine, you know, you're three weeks into the program, you just got a personal communication from that client that's talking about how they're struggling with something specific. Mm -hmm. And the next touch point they get is, Hey, you're doing great. Like it's a really good exclamation point. um, These are the reasons that automation can be dangerous in a program environment and why you want to stick to, you know, Really, you know, resource oriented things, topic change oriented things, but not ever anything that could be feedback oriented.
1: Yeah. So it's one, I guess I just hit me one, um, one scenario we saw come up a couple years ago. I remember one organization had relied pretty heavily on scheduled messages within the system mm-hmm. and in digging it, what I would argue too far. So what they had essentially done was which there's a time and a place for it. I think the best example of where a scheduled message can make sense, especially one that's maybe recurring, is if you're working on a very specific habit with someone, in a, for a week or two, and you say, Hey, Jack, because of you know we're trying to help you do this or that, or we're focused on this or that. I'm gonna have a message get scheduled to get delivered to you each day at this time to help kind of prompt that that behavior that we're focused on. I think that absolutely can be powerful as long as it's has like a defined start and end date. You've communicated, you've communicated with your client where we've seen it really kind of go sideways is if too much automation. So too much of scheduling of messages, trying to set up essentially daily reminders for a long period of time. It just starts feeling robotic and it's, it's just really inauthentic. And I think it just, it can be felt by the client and that's the best way to put it is if it starts feeling like, Hey, I don't really have that connection anymore. There's that question. Is it, is it almost losing trust that, Hey, this is actually my coach on the other end. That's when I think it really becomes a problem.
0: Absolutely. So, and that's, that's really interesting. So you only have so many channels through which, you know, you can communicate to your clients and that they are going to trust what you're saying through those communication channels. Right. So, um, in email, for example, if you have a big automated email series or sequence, you just want to you know, keep in mind that you want to deliver that in a way that's not going to be eventually off-putting and too repetitive because it's very easy to opt out of any of these communication channels. So if you're annoying the hell out of me via email, unsubscribe. That's all it takes. Yep. If we're talking about in an in-app situation, you know, it's it probably even takes a little bit more for people to think about, go around, go out of their way to think about turning off notifications if they've turned those on. But if you have a coaching relationship that's happening through a, a messaging app of some kind, turn off notifications. They never have to worry about your annoying daily.
1: Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and That's the last thing you want is a person muting you or snoozing yeah. you. I mean, that's, that's, then, then you've yeah. lost them. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I think this has been really good to touch on because I, I don't think we can stress this point enough. And it's amazing to see how often in different implementations that from at least my perspective, I see that I think because of the society we live in and, and how much we're used to incorporating automation from like a marketing and operation standpoint, I think everyone's very quick to want to incorporate it within their coaching models. And I I try really hard to make sure that we kind of start really slow with that or you know less is more because if if you go if you cross that line i find that it's really difficult to come back from it
0: yeah so if you're coming to create your coaching app at nudgecoach.com keep in mind that if you happen to get access to mac gamble he's going to share this with <laughs> somewhere along the road <laughs>
1: i will be stressing it during implementation calls don't worry <laughs> yeah i i mean i'd imagine it's i, I You know, it's funny though because I don't know if how much this is actually really touched on out there in the industry. Like thinking about different blog posts and podcasts, I I don't feel like I hear it enough. So I I'd love if people looked at me as being that crazy guy sitting on a soapbox of just like, not beware of automation because I think automation absolutely is a time and a place, but proceed with caution because if done well, it's going to be just a force multiplier for you. But if you cross that line and it's not done in a way that's going to be very well thought out and com- come across as being authentic, it really is going to take away from your overall program and your effectiveness.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so if you end up ever thinking about going through like a, a, a course or some kind of uh, workshop or something like that, about how to create an online coaching business and how to automate these pieces, I'm going to go ahead. Here's what you're going to learn. You should absolutely automate this stuff. And then you absolutely have to have the personal touch alongside of it. Otherwise it's never going to work. Um, And throughout that workshop or course or whatever it is, they're going to try to teach you a specific way to implement that. That's, that's the marriage. That's Mm -hmm. where we are is, you know, the best possible, the most optimal form of an online coaching business is going to have some element of automated programming and personalized feedback and the better you can balance and achieve uh, a smooth and and seamless fit of those two things, kind of the better, Mm -hmm. the better perceived value you're going to have, the more people you're going to have coming to you. Um, That's, that's, that's the magic right there. It's just all about how you, you implement it and find that balance for your particular program.
1: Yeah. I mean, you really touched on this. I think the secret is generally making sure you always have an essence of personalization and humanization to the experience. And I think that's where, Incorporating like teaser videos, like we will see a lot of initiatives, and in where the maybe the first touch point is like a 45 second, not long, 45, 60 second little intro teaser of, Hey, really excited to work with you. And it's something that could be reused in a lot of different ways, but it can just kind of help put it, you know, make sure that whenever we're thinking about asynchronous communication or online or remote engagement, that it's an extension of the relationship you already have. And anything we can do to humanize, it's going to strengthen that relationship and it's also going to make sure we can keep a person engaged for a longer period of time because we absolutely see that time and time again those people that are the organizations that have the most success with online coaching are the ones that have humanized the experience really focused on relationship first and then what i would say is date, great data and great communication will come from it but you, we really have to set those expectations and build that groundwork or kind of the framework on the front end
0: yeah it's all about engagement when it comes to this stuff. When you're working with people, either through a mobile app online, you know, you don't get to sit knee to knee with them. You really have to have engagement in mind mm-hmm. uh, for every, every, everything that you consider communicating. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's a fine balance. Um, and, and the example you gave earlier, Mac, of a sort of repeat reminder is just such a clean one because it, it, it speaks to the problem so, so well of basically hey, I could just out of the blue set this daily reminder for you. And of course, yeah. eventually you're going to get sick of it. Or I could sit or I could have a Zoom call with you, for example. Identify that we've got a specific issue we need to address. Then the next question that I can address in a Zoom call is, all right, well, what, what time of day would maybe be the most appropriate for you to get that so you can mm-hmm. do something about it? Let's try this over the next week or two and see how it goes. And maybe you're yeah. scheduling that daily touch point for six o'clock every day when they're home from work, they know that you've thought through the process that they're getting that repeated touch point because you cared enough to ask them when was the right time. Um, that kind of stuff that does so much for the relationship.
1: It's, it's funny. Cause I and hadn't really thought of it until we we're on, you know, recording this, but reminders really are one of the trickiest things we probably encounter from a communication and a workflow perspective, because in one, you know, kind of on one side, you could say, well, Hey, if we're doing, if you're, if we're being effective, we don't need to be doing reminders, but it's one of those things where there, there probably is always a time and a place to help make sure we're kind of boosting engagement and, and accompanying our efforts from the coaching side. But it is a slippery slope because we've, we've just time and time again, seen when we rely too heavily on reminders, they, they really do just turn the whole initiative sideways. And so it's one of those things that I, I think it usually leads to, or points to a more fundamental issue within the program versus, Hey, you know, the reminders aren't working or something, you know, or, you know, so there are other things we'd want to look at, but yeah, it's, it's interesting to kind of circle back on all of that because it, it is all connected, but I think it all comes back down to remain, you know, be authentic in the areas you need to be authentic and you need to personalize. And it's the other areas, those kind of commonalities that you can find ways to kind of weave in through automation.
0: Yep. Yep. And then the last way that I would think that is worth thinking about automation, you know, you have kind of your, your personal motivation for building in automation is it's going to save me time as a business. Um, And I know these touch points are the right ones. So these are the ones I can automate. That's great. Automation can also have a a particular value for your clients in certain situations. So for example, just in general, immediacy of feedback Mm, is perceived as really engaging. You know, if like I, this is why stuff like web forms and stuff like that have always have automated emails attached to them because if I fill something out on the internet, I don't want to wait for you to personally package it up and send it to me to know that I'm getting the value back. I want immediate feedback and that's only achievable through automation. So, so that's a, a way where if you can identify areas where that immediate feedback is valuable in ways that you can automate touch points like that, um, that's another way that you can actually add value to the experience through automation, whereas the other side of the coin is you know it's engaging for things to be dynamic and and personalized well, those are the things that you can always keep pushing through ongoing changes through one on one touch points through um, personal stuff
1: Man, it's like poetry the way it came out that, that was, i don't know what else I can add to that. I think you just nailed it
0: yeah, I went to college, but I don't remember a ton of it.
1: yeah i mean i think that was just short and sweet and i think that's hey just automation it's a great thing to have but it can also i think the slippery slope argument was so true
0: yeah cool cool well i think we've done it we've done it we've accomplished another week i think this is this is probably a pretty good one too i i might not even throw this one one away i think we'll publish it
1: Unlike the Instagram fiasco that happened, the Instagram fiasco of 2020, where we yeah. did two lives and I don't think either actually allowed me to publish.
0: So. I think it was because Instagram thought our content was bad, Mac.
1: I'm I'm
0: personally offended. Instagram.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no. Until next time, right? Until next time that's just right. another week just another that's week
0: another week um can't wait to check back in with everybody so until then check us out on the nudge cast on your favorite podcast network on youtube saw a bunch of new scriber- subscribers this week we're trying to build that up appreciate you guys and i guess we'll see you next week